Hello to my friends and um, listeners from around the world, from America, South Africa and around the world. Hello to you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the first podcast of the John Martin Show. Yes, this is the first podcast of the weekly John Martin Show. And I'm really looking forward to starting this podcast journey with you. And I think, I think it promises to be an exciting journey for me as well as for my listeners as we will delve into the hard questions. We will ask the hard, serious questions of government, of mainstream media, of corporations, of politicians, of top business people and leaders of organizations. Yes, we, we will not hesitate on the John Martin Show to ask the hard questions because we know asking the right relevant questions is important to lead to us getting to the truth. And we understand that even in life, there are four important questions to ask. So yes, on the John Martin Show, we will ask the hard questions. We will give commentary on hot and current political, business and financial and social issues making news of the day. And yes, as I said, on the John Martin Show, we will ask the questions that those of you may not have an opportunity to ask. We will have exciting guests onto our show, guests often with contrarian views to government and the mainstream media. And we will ask the questions that you, the listeners, will want to know and want the answers to. We understand that life is about a series of questions. Yes, in life, uh, it's good to ask relevant and important questions that will help us to lead to the truth. For instance, what is the four main questions of life? What is the four main questions that people generally have uh, want to know the, 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 the answers to? We think it's the origin of life. What is the origin of life? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Where is my destiny? What is my destiny? So those are the kind of questions that people, doesn't matter how old you are. You may be a young person, you may be a teenager, you may be uh, a middle-aged man, a father, a mother, uh, a, a person that's maybe going on to retirement. But the important thing is, it's questions, relevant, good questions that will lead us to the truth. And that's really what the John Martin show is about, to lead us to the truth. Yeah, so a little bit about myself, <clears throat> a little bio, a brief bio about myself. I was born and raised in beautiful in the beautiful city of Cape Town, South Africa. This is the same South Africa that gave birth to illustrious individuals like Nelson Mandela. Remember Nelson Mandela, the world icon? And he was jailed on Robben Island for 27 years for fighting for political freedom for his people. Also, South Africa is the home of Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla Electric Cars, and now recently beyond the SpaceX program. Also, South Africa is the home of Trevor Noah, the comedian and the host of The Daily Show. As you remember, he took over from John Stewart. Then also, South Africa is the home of Charlize Theron, the Hollywood actress who acted in a lot of top blockbuster movies. And then also, lastly, South Africa is also the home of Demi Lee, now, Peters, the Miss Universe in 2017, who got married to Tebow, to Tim Tebow in, in January this year in the beautiful city of Cape Town. Yeah, so as you can see, South Africa has produced many illustrious individuals, and I believe I can fly the banner not only for South Africa, but for America and for countries around the world that respect democracy and that respect human rights, because ultimately that is what it's about, uh, respecting of human rights. I consider myself a global citizen, so it's not about being in South Africa or being in America. I consider myself a global citizen. That means because I'm part of humanity and I'm connected to the matrix of humanity and because I've got a global consciousness, I'm a global citizen, right, of planet Earth. I consider myself a conservative Christian with a Judeo-Christian worldview. That means I believe in the creation theory and that I'm related to the first man on Earth, which is Adam. And that means I'm related to every other human being on the planet, meaning I must be concerned about the welfare 
of other human beings around the planet. Doesn't matter whether they are here in America, whether here in Africa or South Africa, or in communist China or North Korea or Israel or Britain. I'm a global citizen. And as a global citizen with a Christian conservative worldview, I believe I should be my brother's keeper. I should love my neighbors. I love myself because really that's part of what it is having a Christian Judeo-Christian worldview. So, yes, I believe that as we're going to go on to this journey, uh, we're going to interview various people and people that will help us to answer the questions that's on the heart and mind of a lot of our listeners. Again, a little bit briefly about myself. Uh, I have a business and legal training background and because of my business background and my qualifications in business management and business operations, I believe in the free market principles and I believe in entrepreneurship and the need for business to make fair profits, so to create jobs and to pay fair taxes and also to support social responsibilities in whatever communities or countries where they are operating. But I also believe that government need to spend those taxes wisely and to be accountable to its citizens the way they spend those taxes so that we don't see corruption, money draining away from where it's meant to go, to schools, to hospitals and to community upliftment. And in my legal training, I gained distinctions in various subjects, property law and conveyancing being one of them. I also gained distinctions in, in human rights. Uh, and that's probably the reason why I support, I support human rights. And I'm passionate about the support of human rights. It's quite interesting that uh, the United Nations Human Rights Commission is there to support the human rights of individuals around the world. But unfortunately, a lot of the members of the United Nations General Assembly, they don't respect human rights of their own people. I support justice and equality for all humanity in every country, whether it's in America, whether it's in South Africa, whether it's Africa, whether it's in communist China or North Korea. I support the, the rights of humanity in every country. The fundamental rights, and it's quite interesting that America and South Africa, as two examples, have one of have some of the greatest constitutions. Their constitutions respect the fundamental rights of its citizens to freedom of speech, to freedom of movement, to freedom of information, and the freedom to vote for any party or candidate of their choice according to their conscience. However, we know that many people whether it's in America, whether it's in South Africa or other parts of the world, they are still not free from the fear of their future. Well, need I say more, with COVID-19 being on the minds and the lips of almost everybody because of this pandemic that has caused governments to shut down vital businesses, institutions like schools, like universities, airlines, tourism industries, hospitality industries, restaurants that have devastated the income and jobs of many, many people. So they are fear of the future. Yes, so whether you're in America, whether you're in South Africa, whether you're in any country around the world, right, you are still not free from the fear of the future because of the situations like COVID-19. Also, we are, a lot of people are not free from deception or they're not free from, from low interest rates because of the quantitative easing, which is dropped interest rates. What about people that have worked their whole life 30 years, 40 years, have saved, hoping to be able to invest their savings and get a decent income, decent return on their investment to be able to support their retirement years. Now they're not even getting that positive return that they were hoping for. Yes, we also want to set people free from ignorance of what their government is up to. We want to set people free from exploitation. I mean, there's often exploitation by large companies that's got monopolies, whether it's in the telecommunications industry, whether it's in the 
the wine industry, whether it's in uh, other products that are essential for people around the world. Yes, we know that people are often ignorant. People are often being exploited. Yes, we know that we want to set people free from, from, from lack and poverty. We know that in America, like other countries around the world, in Africa, uh, people do, do not earn enough to be able to, to cover their basic costs. And here, even in America, we know that there's a lot of people that's agitating for a higher uh, wage per hour. And that's being resisted. But yes, we know that people are still not free from lack and poverty. And that is what we want to highlight. We want to come up with solutions to help to set people free. Yes, we know that as in America, unlike in Canada, unlike in certain other countries like Britain, uh, healthcare costs in America is quite high. Uh, they don't have the kind of healthcare uh, system and facilities like they have in the UK or in Canada. Uh, and it's sad uh, where America is spending billions on, on arms. Uh, the people uh, are not able to afford a good affordable health care. Maybe there's some aspects of the Obama health care program that, that uh, President Trump should look at. Then, a podcast, my podcast friends, it's quite interesting for me that in this month of July, we have centenaries commemorations of very significant events. We have in, a, we have in this month of July, we have the celebration of the American Independence Day on the 4th of July. And in the same month, we also have in France the Bastille Day celebration. France, France's Bastille Day when they had the, the, the revolution to overthrow the monarchy uh, in France. That is also being celebrated. Then in South Africa, in the month of July, it's called Mandela Month because Mandela was born on the 18th of July. And obviously being an icon for South Africa and for many in the world, his, his birthday month is the month of July. And of course, we understand the ideals of Mandela, that he was willing to sacrifice 27 years of his life to fight for those ideals. So, yes, we understand that people are excited about these celebrations for obvious reasons. But the reality is that for many people, for many people, they don't experience the benefits of what that freedom means. In America, uh, on Independence Day, many people are still living in fear of the COVID-19 effects and the loss of jobs and the lack of health, proper health care in South Africa. The ANC government, when they took over in 1994, they promised the people a better life for all. And many people in South Africa is wondering, when is that better life for all going to take place? Do they need another 25 years before they're going to see the, the fruits of that particular promise? So yes, we, we just realized that if you try to put your trust in people, in governments, often you get disappointed. Often we get disappointed. You know this. You know the story uh, about the comparison between the politicians and used car salesmen. Oh, it's all about lies, 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 and more promises. So why are politicians and used car salesmen lumped together in public perception? Lies, 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 promises, promises, promises. But on the John Martin show, we are going to have on our show guests with contrarian views to what the mainstream media wants you to believe. We'll have guests with contrarian views as to what official government explanations are for the policies that they are implementing. So we will invite guests with contrarian views to the narrative of left-wing mainstream media. And guests will also question the official line of government on many topical issues. Yes, we'll invite guests uh, and uh, onto our show onto, uh, and officials onto our show that will ask the hard questions of government ministers, government officials, big business, monopolistic practices. Yes, we will question the, 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 the interest rate set by the, the Federal Reserve 
and uh, the central banks because we know that there, according to Ray Dalio there's the manipulation of interest rates by the central banks which affects businesses and, and, and individuals. We will look at the policies of health authorities, the CDC, the FDA, the World Health Organization. Yes, we will question a lot of uh, the reasons for the narrative that they are putting forth, the World Health Organization narrative about the COVID-19 pandemic and what people should do and shouldn't do. So yes, there's a lot of questions to answer. We want to get to the bottom of it. Yes, and just to give you a preview of the type and range of hard questions that the John Martin Show podcast will highlight over the coming weeks and months. We will we know that the word on and on the minds of of most people around the world at the moment is the COVID-19 uh, pandemic lockdown crisis yes that is throwing the world into a turmoil even now I've seen that Fox News is going to have a show especially and it's going to be hosted by Newt Gingrich the former Republican uh, where the the, 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 t- the title of the show is actually called crisis 2020 because at the beginning of this year of 2020 a lot of people, understandably, individuals, families, students, business people, young married couples or to be married, they had a lot of hope and expectations for 2020 because there's a nice link to a 2020. Unfortunately, early in 2020, the world was thrown into turmoil because of this so-called virus, as some people may say, pandemic, as some people may say, scamdemic, as some people may say. We're going to look at the news behind the news we're going to look at the narrative behind the narrative because we know lots of people around the world whether it's here in america whether it's here in south africa whether it's in canada in 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 um, in, in the uk or in sweden a lot of people have got questions about what's happening so yes where did this for instance some of the questions we can highlight uh, and there's lots of questions on the john martin show and we're obviously going to bring guests onto our show that will help to shed light on uh, a lot of the things happening and b- provide the answers that we're looking for where did the COVID 19 virus originate china actually quite interesting china doesn't in- deny it that it happened there it was in a wuhan uh, virology laboratory in china and they don't deny it but the interesting is is why don't china want to allow virologists and health experts from the United States and Western countries to come and inspect the Wuhan lab. Why? There obviously appears to have things to hide. Why did China and the World Health Organization take so long from late November 2019 to January 15 this year to alert the world to, 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 the, to the coronavirus? Because obviously people in China was already infected right from November, December, January. But yet, why did the Chinese government still allow their citizens to travel around the world and, and then possibly infect other people? That's another good question. That's a very good question. The, another good question is this. Why is Bill Gates and the World Organization, who, by the way, Bill Gates support the World Health Organization financially, why are they so keen to produce a vaccine for worldwide vaccinations? What is the true agenda behind it? Right? What is the true agenda behind it? And then how many people are really infected with COVID-19? And how many people are actually dying of COVID-19? Because we are told that some doctors are saying they are basically coerced into stating on the death certificate of a person that they died of COVID-19 related related symptoms. That doesn't necessarily mean they had COVID-19. could have been other symptoms, asthma or TB or, 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 or diabetes. But so... That, that is, those are the kind of questions that we want to ask. With another question we want to ask, why are tech giants blocking doctors 
who are reporting effective treatment for COVID-19 uh, from this this hydro uh, oh, it's a difficult word to to pronounce but I'm sure you'll understand hydroxy hydroxychloroquine yeah some doctors are saying they're getting fantastic results from it and even the Brazilian president has now just publicly announced that he has been healed from COVID-19 infection with this hydro hydroxychloroquine uh, product anyway so these are the questions that we want to ask we want to ask why was the response of the world health organization to covid 19 so slow then we want to ask the question jesus why is this why is the extreme measures especially as as promoted by the world health organization and certain governments right that this extreme response with lockdowns of schools universities businesses industries examples airlines hotel industries restaurants beaches nightclubs for a virus that is similar to a common cold many doctors virologists even are questioning why the harsh lockdown regulations in countries around the world that's devastating economies destroying livelihoods destroying people's businesses and finances why this harsh lockdown response to a virus that uh, is something that is apparently not apparent but apparently there are people just being cured people have had it many people including this brazilian president and other notable people around the world um, i think that one actor as well that was in australia uh, but yeah anyway so there are people large amount of people that has been cured from this coronavirus which is by some people considered to be similar to a to a common cold the question is another good question is why wasn't the world or most governments why did they not lock down universities schools businesses industries like airline industries hotel industries why did they not lock that down because of tb now we know tb is there's a tb germ that can be transmitted when people cough what about aids hiv aids I mean, we know that if you maybe take in the, the saliva of a person with, with HIV AIDS or the, you, the blood touches your, your, uh, an open sore on your body, you can be infected by it. What about measles? Uh, what about polio? My point is the world was not shut down. The world was not locked down. The economies wasn't destroyed. Livelihoods wasn't destroyed because of those, 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 uh, those viruses or those diseases. So why, in the case of COVID-19, which even from its origin, there's already been question asked. It was, some people are saying it was manufactured in a lab in China and things went horribly wrong. So there's lots of questions to ask. There's lots of questions to ask. Oh, the next question is, are governments doing enough to support families, workers who's lost jobs, businesses that's been forced to close down, landlords whose tenants defaulting on rent through no fault of their own are governments doing enough are they doing enough for instance in the, the stimulus package here in america where a trillion dollars was approved by congress by both houses of congress less than 25 percent of that trillion dollars of state funds has been used because of the stringent criteria uh, that has been attached to it yet the democratic party the demo the democratic party wants another trillion dollars but the Republicans are rightfully saying no. They are saying they're prepared to relax those, those criteria conditions on that first trillion, but they're not prepared to agree to another trillion dollars. But the obvious question is, where is that trillion dollars coming from? Even the first trillion dollar, where is it coming from? 
this is going to affect the future generations. The future young men and women who are studying hard to, to graduate, pass uh, their various university courses, studying hard, incurring a lot of student debt in the process, and their futures are going to be impaired because of this deficit spending by governments, including American government. Trillions of dollars. Where is it going to come from? The government's already, uh, already in debt. Yes, so my question is, are governments doing enough? Then a question relating to health. There's another question regarding health. Why does the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, allow Americans to eat fruit and vegetables like corn, which is considered a toxic vegetable because of GMO on those crops? And in spite of studies and tests, the research that proves the dangers of GMO crops that is sprayed with glyphosate. Why the uh, the Food and Drug Administration allowing that? The, 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 the EDA, the Environmental uh, Agency, why are they still allowing those, those, uh, those foods like, uh, like corn, as an example, apples as an example, still to be sold in stores? And in spite of the dangers of glyphosate, presently over, in spite of those dangers, presently over 1.4 billion pounds of glyphosate is still sprayed on crops worldwide. Uh, we, have, we have got an article from an award-winning Dr. Vincent Pedre, right, that asked the question, will an apple a day really keep the doctor away? Because we've been encouraged from young to eat an apple a day to keep the doctor away. But the question today, according to Dr. Vincent Pedre, will an apple a day really keep the doctor away? Considering that that particular apple that looks so nice and juicy and red, that apple has been sprayed with a glyphosate. And so what appears on the surface to be, um, to be good for you, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is because of what the FDA and the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, what they are lying is harmful to our gut and to the human body. And so the residue of glyphosate is, is a levels of 13 parts per million that is found on cordon as an example and tested by farmers that is harmful to your body, harmful to your gut. And so these are the things we want to expose. These are the kind of things we want to bring to the notice of people. Then the other question that, I, that we will be asking on the John Martin Show is, are we entering a new Cold War uh, between China, the Communist Party of China and America? Was President Trump right to stop, uh, to slap tariffs on Chinese imports? Due to his frustration because of the bad trade deals done with China under the Bill Clinton and Barack Obama administration? That's a good question to ask. That's a very good question to ask. Was, was uh, President Trump right to ban Huawei and, and also uh, ban certain Chinese companies and individuals because of valid cons uh, security concerns attached to, 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 to Huawei phones because of the, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, instructions to any Chinese company that they need to hand over information to the Chinese Communist Party or, or the army. So, yes, there's those questions. Was Trump right to do what he did? And considering that, that according to a Washington Post article by Robert O'Brien, he says that, that in China, for instance, the Muslim Uyghurs in, from the Xinjiang province are put into forced labor camps. Now, Trump is aware of that. Trump is a proponent of, of human rights and the respecter of human rights. And so this article 
by Robert O'Brien in the Washington Post talks about Muslim Uyghurs from the Xinjiang province being put into forced labor camps and re-education centers. Now, was Trump right to do that? I would believe that as an American and talking about God bless America, God protect America, meaning he respects the rights of individuals from around the world, you should speak out against things like that. Right? And now we are also talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, now Black Lives Matter, in my view, all lives matter. But we understand where Black Lives Matter originate from. Uh, it's a frustration that they have about certain policemen, I would call them rogue policemen, that are responsible for apprehending innocent black people and responsible for killing innocent black people like George Floyd. Now we can understand the anger of Black Lives Matter and other black people because of racist policemen, rogue policemen responsible for killing of innocent blacks like George Floyd. However, because of this, Black Lives Matter are calling for the defunding of the police. Now, in my view, that is a stupid move on their part because the criminals will laugh, not necessarily all the way to the bank, but the criminals will have a great day. When you succeed in defunding the police, meaning you have less police for certain areas, for certain communities, you're going to have an increase in certain crimes. Drugs will be literally sold on the streets because there's no policeman to, to police that. And you'll have more looting and burglary. So the question is, if any member in a community where there's less policemen because of Black Lives Matter agitating for the police to be defunded, if they have a burglary, if they have an assault and they want to call the police and they don't have a response from the police because the police just don't want to go into those areas, who are they going to call? Are they going to call on Black Lives Matter officials that is agitating for this? So in my view, it's a stupid move. Black Lives Matter should rather sit down with, with whoever the powers that be, whether it's the governor of that state or whether it's the local police officials or whether it's even President Trump sit around the table and say, what can we do to stop rogue policemen killing people like George Floyd? I believe that there should be education. There should be a race sensitivity training for policemen that still got old racist attitude because racism in my view is stupid. How can you judge a person and respond to a person based on the color of their skin? If your identity is, is tied up in your skin color, what happens if you get burnt in a fire and your skin get burnt? What happens to your identity then? So I believe Black Lives Matter, you're going to need to rethink about, about your, your approach because what we are finding now in a lot of states not only in Oklahoma, but in a lot of states in America, we are finding that people's lives are being disrupted and we are finding that there's, there's divisions being caused between people that had good relations up to now. Because this is what racism does. I mean, the, the point behind racism is to cause divisions and it's also a case of the, the powerful saying, how can they exploit somebody? There's always, as a good investigator will tell you, there's always, when they look at a crime, they say, look, what is motive? What is opportunity? If you have a motive because of greed and you see an opportunity because you consider the other party ignorant or weaker, then obviously racism suits you. So, yes, the question is the, the racism debate, bigger debate raging right now in America. Is America systemically racist? What's the question about white privilege? Should all white Americans apologize uh, for, 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 for slavery of blacks? Should all white Americans apologize for uh, being able to live in good homes, have two cars, uh, be able to send their, your children to university? 
should they apologize for 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 white privilege should they all americans apologize should all black uh, sorry should all white americans apologize for killing of blacks by racist police these are the questions that we need to de- debate and and uh, and answer honestly because at the end of the day in order to to coexist and to live in a society that is organized and well ordered where there are checks and balances in place where the police in place to 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 act against criminals we need to 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 ask those honest questions and come up with solutions that will 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 suit the people on the ground people paying taxes people wanting to go about their daily lives also now the upcoming us elections 3rd of november 2020 the countdown has begun the countdown to the november 2020 elections has begun there's some questions that we can ask about this this race to the white house four years donald trump has had four years uh, the republican party has had four years now it's trump versus biden trump versus joe biden the democratic contender yes biden right now biden joe biden is leading in the polls by about 10% who is the better candidate for america why is the leftist media so anti trump is it maybe because of the upset of the 2016 elections yes where trump made a surprise win so yes there's a lot of questions to ask there's a lot that's going to happen although biden is ahead right now by 20 by 10% in the polls it's still a long way anything can happen within one month anything can happen in two, in, in in two months or three months yes is trump making america great again well the conservative views with his conservative views on anti-abortion is anti-abortion is pulled funding on 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 the on 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 planned parenthood yeah trump is in favor of prayer in schools he wants to put prayer back in schools because we know since prayer has been taken out of schools what has what has happened so you want to put prayer back in schools and he wants to support those conservative christians that's in school that wants to have their own bible studies uh during the break time yes he wants to, and his support for israel and is anti iran all of those things are factors in this race for the white house this race for the white house and we know that anything is possible between now and then there's questions about trump talking about um, that is not in favor of uh, the the male mail in voting because it's something that can be rigged i believe he's got a point there i still believe in the old old fashioned way of voting where people go into particular polling booth on their own alone and they make the cross next to the candidate of their choice and exercising their freedom of expression uh, and freedom to vote according to their conscience so the question then now to can be asked what if trump loses the election and refuses to accept the result because of possible mail uh, mail in voting fraud that's very interesting that's very interesting you can just about imagine what's going to happen you can just about imagine what's going to happen if trump uh, questions the the results and if he loses and he feels and he says it's because of mail in fraud yeah so that's going to be interesting another question is why is the billionaire george soros giving 50 million dollars to help biden and other democrats to win the us november elections well clearly he's left wing and he's putting his money where his mouth is yeah so it just shows you trump has got his work cut out because the left wing media cnn cnbc and others they are in the majority they've got people like billionaire george soros that's giving 50 million dollars uh, to make sure that biden wins because they clearly have their own agenda and they want to keep trump out and the republicans out at any cost and so this proves this is going to be 
a very interesting election. Remember, Joe Biden, he will be 78 years old in January. And that's quite interesting. Uh, I don't think America ever had uh, a president, if he's going to be president, that starts his term at the age of 78. So that means that uh, in four years after 78, Biden will be 82. That's quite an interesting age. Hopefully, he's got the vigor. Hopefully, he's got the energy. I suppose uh, a job like that, uh, with all its challenges on a day-to-day basis and criticism, will energize you. Anyway, would Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, would he have been a better candidate for the Democrats? Well, you know, Bernie Sanders, as we know, is a socialist. One positive thing about Bernie Sanders, he was he was promoting this this plan or idea that should he come in to cancel student debt. Now, that is something I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. But anyway, uh, there's a socialist Bulgarian survivor, a Bulgarian survivor that is warning Americans against socialism. And he says that socialism is, is anti-Christ, meaning it's from the devil. So <laughs> that's quite interesting that you have a guy, uh, Bernie, so, uh, B- uh, Bernie Sanders, that a lot of young people have supported. A lot of young people were were very disappointed when Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. I suppose that is from pressure from Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and he decided to drop out. But I would have supported Bernie Sanders just for one thing. I think it was health care, his, his stance on health care, making that more affordable for Americans, as well as obviously cancelling of student debt. Right? Uh, does the question, another question is, does Joe Biden support defunding of the police? And why, if he does? You know, that's quite interesting. Uh, it's also interesting, I just saw on CNN today, literally today, that a hundred police agencies have decided to pull out of the Democratic uh, Party convention. The reason for that is obvious. Largely the Democrats being left-wing, being influenced by Black Lives Matter, are behind defunding of the police. Um, the New York governor, they are they're behind defunding the police. In fact, they've already put plans in place. So. It appears that a lot of police agencies are fed up with this and they say, forget it, Democrats, we are not going to attend your convention. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Now we come to the issue of student financial debt. My question is, considering that a lot of students, hardworking students, been studying for three, four years, have accumulated debt in order to, to pass, what plans are in place to change legislation to cancel student debt? Bernie Sanders had some good ideas. Unfortunately, he's no longer a contender. But President Trump... I believe if he comes up with the right idea, if he motivates the Republican Party to put in place something, a good plan, way before the elections, maybe a month before the elections, and they really are strong about it, I think you'll get a lot of student support. You'll get a lot of support from a lot of students, right? And is it fair for students to be burdened with study debt and have it on their credit score, which can affect their security payouts, when they have had no part in deciding on the massive lockdowns because of COVID-19, where their job prospects are, are being affected. I think this whole thing with students accumulating such a large amount of debt to do a three-year, four-year degree, uh, and they have to pay for it, and even if they're unemployed, they're still saddled with that. Isn't it time for us to look at the relook at the educational model that we've got in America? Isn't it time that we look relook at the education model that we have in yeah? Isn't it time that we had a look at the high cost of university degrees? Isn't it time that we consider alternatives to university, maybe technicons or trade schools? In any case, can the job market really absorb all the graduates uh, from university? 
and especially now with COVID-19 lockdown, causing many industries to, to close down, many businesses to close down. What is the job prospect for students? I've asked for the students. And I will say it at the end of this particular intro podcast that we are planning to invite a, a millennial graduate uh, onto our show to hear the, the, the views of the, the, the millennials on what is happening in the world today, what's happening in America, what's happening with this lockdowns that the World Health Organization has basically encouraged the governments to, to embark upon. Yeah, so yes, I believe a lot of people around the world, America, South Africa, Europe, the UK, are disappointed in the governments that they, that they supported or voted for. South Africa is a case in point. After 25 years of democracy, are the citizens really better off? Did the ANC deliver on their promise of a better life for all? Is the South African government doing enough to stop farm killings, which we read about? And why was the South African government COVID-19 lockdowns so harsh compared to many other countries? In fact, it's been said on Al Jazeera that the South African government lockdown regulations are the harshest in the world. Apparently, they've been commended by the World Health Organization for taking such harsh uh, actions or uh, lockdown regulations. But, you know, that's the kind of compliment you don't need because it's a case of lives versus livelihoods. So many millions of people are being affected. Yeah. So the question is this. Why was the lockdown regulation in South Africa so hard? In fact, there is a small organization called the Liberty Freedom Fighters that have taken the South African government to court. They've taken them to the high court and they won their case where the judge in that particular case, looking at their complaint about a lot of these regulations, lockdown regulations, the, the judge said famously and was quoted in all the local newspapers, it was unlawful and irrational. That's what the judge said. Looking at those lockdown regulations in in line with the constitution of South Africa, he said it was unlawful and irrational and they won. A small organization took a government to court. My point is this, we as, as citizens of the world, global, I'm a global citizen, we need to take up, we need to take a stand for our constitutional rights. At least we are fortunate to live in constitutional democracies uh, in Europe, in, in, in the UK, in South Africa, in America, unlike people in communist China that don't, that don't have that, that freedom that, that we have in the West. So the John Martin Show podcast, we will not only look and criticize, we will obviously dig for the truth, that is what we are about, but we will also try to bring solutions because we understand that, that there are problems around the world because of greed and selfishness and corruption and factions and it creates problems but we will also try to bring solutions around issues of helping viable small businesses we will have experts on the show that will speak to topics on crowdfunding initiatives to help raise seed capital for budding entrepreneurs uh, and for for investors to come on board with us yes we want to help budding entrepreneurs who could be the the the, the next innovators of the of of applications like whatsapp and uber and tech products that can benefit society. So yes, we will encourage and facilitate partnerships and internships for, 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 for a lot of uh, uh, our young people. Yes, we will encourage partnerships, we'll encourage internships and mentoring uh, for, for, for our graduates and for school leavers. We will initiate volunteer programs because a lot of companies, especially with COVID-19 lockdown regulations, will be careful 
about about hiring people uh, so we will encourage volunteers and we will say to young people look instead of sitting at home doing nothing for a year why don't you go volunteer your time for a company in the industry that you want to be part of and learn and when you are with that company when they've agreed to take you on as a volunteer uh maybe paying you only a stipend to cover your 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 meals and your transport you will at least have an opportunity to impress them with your diligence with your good work ethic and your honesty and that they will decide to take you on permanently because look come what may there will still be a need for certain services so that is what we will do on the John Martin show we will initiate volunteer programs for matriculants and undergraduates we will and we will with the help of wealthy donors that we are will be in contact with we will help to raise funds to help deserving ngos because we know a lot of ngos in a lot of countries uh whether it's in america whether it's in south africa uh but there's ngos that does a lot of good work but they sadly they are underfunded so we will try to assist those ngos that is doing good work in the community because sometimes if you wait for government to do something for you you're going to wait a very very long time and also we want to encourage our listeners our listeners to comment on our podcast ask good questions of our guests on our show direct message me on 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 my twitter handle my twitter handle is at real underscore freedom now i'll repeat my twitter handle is is at real underscore freedom now with your with your direct messages and questions that you have for our guests so that we can answer the kind of questions that that needs to be answered just to give you an idea or preview of upcoming po- uh, podcast guests that we will be interviewing on the John Martin show as i've already mentioned we're going to invite a, a, a millennial onto our show we will interview a, a millennial onto our show about the effect of covid-19 on millennials because with due respect i don't think any government has reached out to that particular uh sector of their population whether it's in america whether it's in south africa or britain or the uk or, or europe rather i don't think they've taken the time to ask that generation what do you think about the lockdown regulations because of covid-19 how should we introduce it no they just closed universities they closed schools uh they they closed businesses so the question we will ask the question we have for millennials did the american government or the south african government or any other government that introduced harsh lockdown regulations did they consult the millennials about what they think or feel about closing their universities closing their technicons closing their colleges did they consider the disruption to their academic year to their study schedules did they consider the extra cost of buying laptops equipment data wifi to study remotely did they consider that what about student debt that has to be paid What about job prospects post covid-19 lockdown what about that we will we will we will also interview by the way so that is dealing with with a millennial so i'm looking forward to that particular interview uh, we've got a millennial that has already agreed to 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 come on to our show uh he's he's just just about to graduate uh with a business studies degree uh and he's going to be specializing in 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 uh asset management uh structuring of of companies lbos leverage buyouts uh quite interesting and so yeah he's got a view on the psychological on the physical the financial the social effects of covid-19 because clearly 
COVID-19 lockdown has had psychological effects. In fact, just yesterday, I was listening to a to a to a to a virtual AGM of FEDASA, that is the um, Federated Hotel Association of South Africa, the Cape Chamber, and they interviewed the, the Premier of the Western Cape Province in South Africa, Alan Windy, and at the end of, of his particular address, he said that there's two pandemics that they're having to contend with uh, in the Western Cape of South Africa. The one is obviously the COVID-19 related, health related uh, aspects of the pandemic in terms of making sure that there's enough doctors, nurses available, there's enough beds, hospital beds available, there's enough PPE equipment available. But he says that it's the second pandemic they have to deal with, with, with job losses, with companies literally closing down, businesses closing down, people being unemployed, people not having enough money to buy food. He says the calls that he used to get at the beginning was dealing primarily with with health-related issues about COVID-19, what should they do if they think they've got the symptoms of COVID-19 and so forth and so forth. Now, he says, the questions he's got to deal with now is people are saying they're feeling depressed. They don't see any future for themselves anymore. Their savings are depleted. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their businesses. People are now considering suicide. So that's the psychological effects, the real effects of COVID-19 that has been started by the World Health Organization, by China being dishonest about the, 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 the virus originating in the Wuhan lab and allowing their own people to travel around the world and infect people around the world, like in Italy. Uh, we know the, the great spike in coronavirus infections and deaths in Italy. Yeah, so that is the kind of things that we are going to talk about asking, uh, what's the effect of COVID-19 regulations, lockdowns, on the on millennial generations, the, the the generations of the future. We'll also invite, as one of our guests who's already agreed to come on, what we can consider a gold bull. Uh, his name is David Melville, and he's been what we consider a gold bull, meaning somebody that's had the belief in the, the importance of gold as an in, in, uh, investment or alternative asset to have in your portfolio. And so he's very excited right now because, you know, this is the way it works. It's things, things are contrarian. When... When interest rates become lower for various reasons because of quantitative easing or central banks wanting to manipulate the system, then people know that they need to go to an alternative investment. Gold and silver bullion, that's the kind of investments that people are now considering. That is the reason why the gold price right now as we speak, the gold price has breached the $2,000 per ounce. Can you believe it? For an ounce of gold, you are paying $2,000. But it just shows you when fear sets in. People are fearful. People are saying, look, we don't trust the global markets. The stock exchange is unbelievably high, but yet we understand there's a bubble forming. And when that bubble is going to burst, what are you going to do? There are people like on Bloomberg, they had an article where they say, what should people invest in now? Buy land so that if need be, you can grow your own fruit and vegetables so that you're not dependent on the state. So, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting things happening. So, yes, we will be in our, another interview, upcoming interview. We'll interview a gold bull like David Melville. will give us the, the, the aspects to consider, uh, the benefits of gold and, and silver bullion and uh, why you should diversify and uh, why you should uh, lessen your risk and get out of paper assets, the fiat money that central banks create. Yeah, so there's a lot of exciting things coming up and we want the input of our listeners to make the Joe, uh, to make the the John Martin show the premier podcast show that brings you relevant up to date uh, uh, commentary on relevant business 
political, social and economic issues of the day. We will interrogate what is being said, what is being done with the truth, with the reality, so that we can help to set our people free. Because ultimately that's what it's about. I believe as a conservative uh, Christian with contrarian worldviews, uh, with a Judeo-Christian worldview, that we are all made in the image of the Creator. We're supposed to be free to develop our gifts and apply ourselves and our freedom to information, freedom to move, freedom of speech. And so we on the John Martin Show will do what we can to promote that, those values. So yeah, enjoy the rest of your evening or your day, wherever you are around the world. Till next time, God bless. Thanks. Bye.